I would certainly say that domain knowledge plays a big part with some of the clients that we've worked with where they've made those calculations as well. I definitely think it's a part of the conversation for a lot of companies that are looking at making hires. Welcome to another episode of Hiring Behind the Scenes, where we talk to recruiters and hiring managers to lift the curtain on the hiring process so you can better understand how hiring decisions get made. This week, we are with Reno Perry. Reno brings a really interesting career background to the show. He worked at LinkedIn early in his career, helping sell some of their solutions and the talent group. Now he runs a tech and recruiting services firm, and he also produces a tremendous amount of career content, some of the most helpful and humble content on LinkedIn, honestly. And he's also a career advisor for Teal, which has been really great. We talk about things like domain expertise and what is the question behind the question in interviews or what are the requests behind the requests in job descriptions? And what are these things that really make hiring managers gravitate towards certain resumes and certain profiles over others? He gives a lot of the nuance and the sometimes unsaid insights in how to stand out in the hiring process and the kinds of things that his clients now hiring managers and companies ask of him when he's outsourcing and looking for candidates. It's a really, really great episode. Reno's incredibly insightful and kind and generous with his insights. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hiring Behind the Scenes. This week we are with Reno Perry, who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last 12 to 18 months. We've worked with his firm, which is incredible. He's also a career advisor to Teal and just an all-around wonderful human being. So Reno, welcome to the show. Dave, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I try not to give too much of an intro for folks. So how about you tell us a little bit more about you and what you're up to? This is the first time I've done a self-intro, so let me see what I can muster. But uh, you alluded to this earlier. I do run a recruiting firm or recruiting company called Wiseful. We work with mostly tech companies at the moment and helping them augment the recruiting strategies to hire the best talent. We have full service recruiting. We also offer a subscription that companies can sign up for to tap into our talent pool. Outside of that, I do the post frequently on LinkedIn based on what I'm seeing from our company, just insights behind the scenes. But I really do have a soft spot for helping job seekers and giving any tips and tricks that I've leveraged as a coach and as a candidate myself over the last few years is something that I love just doing and a big reason why we're even working together with Teal. So that's a little bit about me and uh, yeah. Super helpful. We'll link to all those things in the show notes. So let's kick things off with, so you have software, or, you know, sort of a platform and the more like agency style type recruiting. Can you walk us through how you get engaged by a company. We can even use when we worked with you, why does a company come to you and what's that ask typically look like? Companies will usually initially engage with us through, I'd say pretty good amount of prospective clients come through LinkedIn, ton of recruiters, ton of hiring managers on there, makes a lot of sense. My posting on LinkedIn is really helpful in terms of generating pipeline, I think. That's how we initially got connected was just through my LinkedIn activity. We do outbound, we get inbound. So a lot of traditional sales channels. And a big reason why those companies will come to us is they tend to be looking for 
something very specific, certain backgrounds that maybe they're not seeing from traditional channels. At a high level, I would say that really sparks the conversation is they come in with this question of how can this company, how can this firm really help with what I'm looking for? They generally have an idea of what they want to bring onto their team. And we are positioning ourselves as a company that can help fill that gap. Give me an example of a rec requisition that would come to you and the kind of specificity that they would use. Sure, sure. So a few that we have right now, I'll give you an example. Um, companies are looking to, by the way, we've seen this recently, companies are looking to grow their sales teams now in a way that we haven't seen when things started to become difficult in the market, but people are trying to grow their sales team. And let's say they're looking for an enterprise sales rep, enterprise account executive. They might be able to post a job for that. They probably have already and they get a ton of volume. So everyone gets tons of volume, but the exact candidate or idea of a candidate that they had in mind isn't seeing that job, isn't applying. They will come to us and say, I'm looking for an enterprise sales rep, but we ideally want them to have the experience in the industry, or maybe they've sold a similar product or a, an adjacent product to what we need. And all these people we're seeing just don't have that. And so they're looking to penetrate specific groups of folks that have that type of background, that nuance that would make them potentially a great candidate for, for their company. I love that you said that because this is, I think, often missed. The level of specificity companies have. And do you think that it's more specific in a tight market? Because you've recruited in both. And I'm curious if you see a difference between like when the market's a little more go up and to the right and that specificity gets a little more lax. And when the market's tighter, a little bit of a leading question, but their level of specificity increases. You're definitely right. And that's just the nature of a tightening market or an expanding market. In the boom times that we remember just uh, a couple of years ago, I would say that in 2021, when the hiring surge came back post-COVID, a lot of the specifications people had, qualifications, maybe a little bit more lax in terms of what they're looking for. Definitely in tight markets, especially now, last 16, 18 months, give or take, a lot of tightening around that and not a ton of compromise in terms of what that specificity is. The labor market is so interesting because there's supply and demand, and obviously these things go hand in hand. But is what do you think is more the driving force for the specificity that they have optionality because there's more people on the market or because their budget's tighter and so like they're, they kind of have less room to make a mistake. So they get far more prescriptive on their requirements and like they want the bullseye. This is uh, tough to say it's one or the other because in reality, there's probably a few factors. And if I think back to some of the hiring managers and companies we've worked with that have had that specific list or how much they want to adhere to it, it's typically been a few factors that lead to it. I would say having somebody previously that may have been in the role that didn't fulfill the responsibilities that that were required, or maybe the expectations weren't met with that individual. And so they've been a bit scarred, I would say, for uh, it's like a little bit of a reaction to the person that was there. It's like, oh, they didn't have this. So we want to make sure this next person has There's it. a little bit, some of that, definitely. There is certainly budget to consider. There's less error. There's less room for error to go around. And even though I've said that we've started to see some hiring come back, it's definitely not the surge that people had seen a couple of years ago. And so there's a lot more cautiousness that people have walking into that. It's a few of those factors and what you mentioned that 
may lead to that. And that's certainly what we've seen. It's not a one size fits all with the companies that we've been working with. So something I've seen come up before, and I'm kind of curious if you could sort of validate or negate this for me, is that if companies are opening more of the same position, like say I'm hiring three enterprise sales reps versus one enterprise sales rep, that also gives me a bit of flexibility to maybe take some bets on people versus if I've only got one, I get far more restrictive and like specific in what I want. I think that's true. Certainly there's a couple of clients off the top of my head where I can think they have multiple roles open. They've explicitly mentioned to us that they're willing to compromise on qualifications and background, knowing that they have multiple people they can hire and sort of a, a balancing act that they might do where maybe a couple of folks have the exact background, maybe are more senior and that the other couple hires might be from an adjacent industry or, or different background, or they're a little bit more junior, they have more potential that the company can invest in. So I've seen that certainly from hiring teams if they do have multiple roles open. Do you feel like you guys as external recruiters get pulled in more for like more senior positions? Like, have you seen patterns there? Like, cause like maybe junior positions, those folks might be applying online and you don't need as much like outbound external support have you seen any sort of patterns on that or like at least like a like a floor for the seniority or it kind of runs the gamut? I would definitely say most of the clients that end up using us skew towards hiring more senior roles. Mid-level was probably the floor. And if I think back to the last couple of years, honestly, really the minimum there has probably been four or five years that somebody's had experience-wise. And we'll hire folks that have as many as 10, 15, 20 plus years experience because to your point, at least for what we've seen, a lot of these companies do have some success with hiring entry level. Maybe they have a lot of these entry level folks, like you said, are applying to jobs online. Maybe they have other means of recruiting where it's not as difficult for them to get a top of funnel in terms of candidates and run them through the process as it is some of these more senior folks where it's more challenging to find them. There's not as many of them, et cetera. They're getting candidates, right? They're getting online applications but they still don't feel like they're getting that candidate that checks all the boxes that they need. So they bring in additional support. What is that distinction? And how are you able to identify it, honestly? Like when you're out there looking and say, hey, they say I need these things. How are you able to find that? What are your mechanisms for finding the people that have the specific experience that's not showing up on the inbound candidates? A lot of that is through the profile information that we've gathered as a company. So when we ingest data from candidates who sign up, we're getting that extra layer of detail that we know clients would be interested in, in terms of maybe what industries you've sold into in the past for that account executive example, what kind of clients have you worked with enterprise or is, are they more small business? And so that's part of what we've done from our approach, but also a lot of that information in terms of what these clients are looking for is so specific that it may need to be uncovered through a screen or a call with the candidate to uncover, are you checking the box on these certain areas before they get sent to the, the hiring team? Through like your intake process, are you uncovering stuff that was a requirement that wasn't in the JD? Some cases, <laughs> unfortunately, yes. There's certainly been, uh, I'll call it evolving requirements. That's one of the tricky things of working with hiring managers. A lot of times founders that we work with, things will change very fast in their business and that will trickle down to 
the ideal candidate profile that they were envisioning. So maybe that's not always getting updated in the the job description, but it is for maybe some of the external partners, folks like us that they work with. I have seen that happen on occasion. So that's an interesting point that you brought up for sure. I've heard you make reference to some of like the traits or attributes a few times on what I would call implied attributes that they worked in enterprise. But you've talked about it in the way that you like discerned it from the company, right? It's like, oh, the company that they worked at sold enterprise software. But like an enterprise company might not put in their JD, you need to have sold enterprise software before. But it feels like you're doing that work when you're sourcing because you can kind of say, well, it's kind of like what job seekers should do, but like inferring things about the company. And it's like these company attributes that should sort of make their way into the JD, but they don't because I think they're assumed. Can you talk a little bit about some of that? Like what I would call like domain knowledge that isn't necessarily like a hard skill in the JD, but seems to be a differentiator in terms of that specificity? Yeah, definitely. And some job postings will have that, some won't. And so I think that's a fair point to bring up is a lot of times companies will run through the responsibilities in the job and they don't include a lot of those nuances that if a candidate did have that, they would say, oh, wow, this is really great. And so to your point, the job seekers who do look for some of those implied requirements or implied nuances and can make a case for that in a resume or through a cover letter or some questions that the company asked as part of the application process, they're certainly having a leg up, I could see. But domain expertise would be one area. So if it's a company that, let's say, says enterprise sales experience and you don't see enterprise in the job description, one way to imply what they're potentially looking for is that enterprise typically means you're selling to much larger companies, 10,000 plus employees in a lot of cases. Maybe you were in a enterprise role before, so I would highlight that. Or if you were not, but maybe you have worked with large enterprises, I would highlight that in your resume and some of those materials that you have worked with companies that are 10,000 plus. And so that requires a, a little bit of that first, second layer thinking to look at, okay, what does enterprise actually mean? And have I done anything related to that that I could really highlight in my resume, whether they're working with us or the company? So I think in both cases, it makes it easier. And then maybe industry background. So the company is, let's say, ed tech. This is an exact case right now. We have an ed tech company who is looking for enterprise sales account executives. Another case would be, while it doesn't explicitly say ed tech, if you maybe were in ed tech, I think that's great. You want to highlight that. But if you were not necessarily an ed tech, but maybe you were a teacher, that's domain expertise or a subject matter knowledge that you can highlight. Maybe in your past, you had sold into other companies like schools, if that particular ed tech company is selling into a school. So understanding, okay, if it's ed tech, does that mean they sell into schools or are they more training for companies? And so again, there's that second layer thinking of trying to decipher those different nuances. And, and those would be a couple examples that come to mind that are very real for us right now. But we look for the same things when we're reviewing resumes or candidates as well. From my experience, I've always really valued domain expertise. What is stuff that the candidate could only acquire through experience that like no book could teach them, right? And like those are the things that I feel like when I'm making a hire, accelerate their success. When I was at WeWork and we were hiring salespeople, not a lot of salespeople had hired 
sorry, sorry, salespeople had like sold real estate in the way that we were at WeWork. But a cool candidate for us was someone who's a real estate broker. It was a very different model and their clients were tech companies. It's like, okay, that's perfect. We can teach them a little bit of the way that we compensate, a little bit of the way that what our sales motion is, but they get the domain, they have the relationships. That was super valuable to us than someone who had like literally sold co-working before. We didn't need that exact experience. It's like the hard skills might not have been a perfect match when we were looking at these sort of indirect or implied abilities or knowledge that was super valuable to us. Gotcha, that's really interesting. I would certainly say that domain knowledge plays a big part with some of the clients that we've worked with where they've made those calculations as well. I definitely think it's a part of the conversation for a lot of companies that are looking at uh, making hires. As you work with candidates, ultimately you want the candidates to land a job. Like you don't get paid until the jobs get filled. So you're really rooting for both sides. Like you want the company to find the candidate and you want the candidate to get hired. And I've seen this when I've worked with external recruiters before that they coach the candidate a little bit, right? Because they really want you to be successful. Like, no, you don't win by them showing up and like, hey, you're on your own. It's like, no, I want you to be successful. I look good if you look good. What are some of the things that you oftentimes find yourself helping candidates do, whether it's on the resume or the interview side, to like have more success with closing the position? A couple things. One is, so if we're working in a full cycle recruiting capacity, that's definitely an opportunity where we're, we're getting close to the candidate and can help prep them in some cases for upcoming interview or subsequent stages. I would say knowledge of the company and the key players is really big. So coming in, having an understanding of the company, the products, the competitors, maybe the current problems that they're facing from a go-to-market or maybe it's a product side, having an idea of that so it can help lend itself to better conversation when you actually do talk to the recruiter or the hiring manager. So that's a big one. A second one is uh, resume. So we do, on some cases, will help with the resume. I will say we see a ton of resumes that are, I'm trying to find the word for it without just completely bashing um, someone's resume, because I know people do put a lot of work into this, but we're in a position where we just see thousands and thousands of resumes. And I would say a majority of them do not check the box on communicating clearly or articulating clearly their experience and how it relates to that role that they're applying to. And it becomes much harder to make a case, even with us, to make a case for that candidate if they can't make that same case on their materials ends up getting submitted to the hiring team. So that's a big one, I would say. And then helping them with uh, interview potentially in terms of what to expect with maybe questions or topics that they might encounter through the process without giving away the farm. And those are a few areas where we've offered support in the past to Canada's. The resume one is, you know, everyone wants to talk about the resume because it makes sense because I think it's the job of the resume is to get you the interview. And it's kind of all the company has. And I think the candidates oftentimes think that the company should do more, right? It's like, hey, company, go research me. Go learn about me. Go to my LinkedIn. And in a perfect world, sure, but in a world with finite time and someone who's got to look at lots of candidates and there are also a lot of applications that gum up the works. And I don't know how to tell people this, like the candidate who's truly qualified, who put in the effort also has to be put in the pile with people that are using auto appliers, people that are objectively not qualified. You say this is a US only position, yet you get 30% of the applicants are international, even though you said it. Yeah, 
Yeah. The signal to noise is quite difficult, which results in <laughs> low time to look at all the applications because they still all get looked at no matter what. When you say better positioning themselves to like better convey their value, sure, there's like metrics and things like that. But what are what are some of the themes you see constantly giving advice to resumes? Like, okay, we always find ourselves saying this, these things over and over again. The amount of content that gets included in there is one, just the meatiness of what you're communicating and specificity is a big one. I would say we look at a lot of these resumes and it is pretty vague or generic in terms of what gets put in there. Mm -hmm. You could look at the same thing on a hundred other resumes for the role. And that's one area that does require a little bit more involvement and in work for someone to, to go beyond what they read online or what they just copy and paste it from the job description to actually specify what it is that they did. And so to your point, we already know, we talk about metrics and quantifying a lot, but just specifying specifically what they did, how they delivered that impact is really big. So I, I'd say that's pretty common. The other big issue is formatting. Formatting is pretty crazy. It's the wild, wild west, I'll say, in terms of I, what we've seen. <laughs> I was just looking at a few resumes before we got on here and just wild formatting in terms of misaligned sentences and bullet points. And it, it makes it really tough to read to the point where you probably would look at it and you wouldn't want to read it if you were reading it. I'm not saying that's what we do. We read all of them, but formatting and making it easy to digest, easy to read is a really big one. So formatting and specificity, I would say, are probably the, the two biggest pieces that we really encounter. Both of these, I think, are interesting because they both have these counterintuitive insights. Don't make it pretty. Keep it simple. Because I feel like a lot of times people are trying really hard to make it unique. And ultimately, they hurt themselves on the formatting side. And I think on the specificity side, people try to make it broad so that it like catches more attention. But ultimately, what it really does is like water down your message. That's the tricky part is trying to find a, a balance of being able to deliver the right message in a concise way, in a format that's not too crazy, but is something that is easily can easily be read and digested by the hiring manager, not to do a plug for Teal, but I think it's one aspect of the resume builder that you have that is really helpful where people can easily personalize their resume for particular roles that they have. And doing that on your own manually is a pretty tough task. So I could see where people are doing that and they're probably just doubling down on the one resume that's broad enough that they could use for a particular job or job families and say, hey, this is what I'm going to use for that. So yeah, it's definitely a balance. And we try to help folks do that when they're ultimately getting submitted to hiring teams at companies. So on that, I'd love to talk about this a little bit, the specificity going on, sort of continuing to pull on that thread. So it seems like you guys hire sales folks. And so let's even say two enterprise sales leads. Could you give some examples of how even two recs for the same job title, like if you saw them both on LinkedIn, they'd both say like enterprise sales executive or whatever, but two different companies. What would be some examples of things that would be different that even though the title's the same, you probably couldn't use the same, the same candidate couldn't fill both positions? You could have enterprise sales account executive for two completely different industries. So I think that's the big one. And that'll probably disqualify a good chunk of folks looking through that. One could be in ed tech, the other could be in climate tech. 
And so the job descriptions may be written similarly, but you have that, again, that nuance where hire manager may look at that and disqualify certain people from that. You also have the, the way that they write the job where if they aren't specific enough, then it could lead to they, the company writing the JD, the company writing the JD. So, yeah, and this is where it's tricky because in this particular case, I'm thinking back to a couple of clients we had, both are hiring for an enterprise sales rep, but both look at enterprise completely differently. <laughs> One company is looking at enterprise as really what I would consider large enterprise. They're selling into 10, 20, 40 plus thousand companies. Another company looked at enterprise as if they've just sold to anything over a thousand employees as enterprise. Some companies might even call it mid-market. And so they don't even think twice about it because that's just the way that their company operates. And so that would also disqualify somebody potentially if they have, depending on their background, if maybe they aligned with one of those definitions of enterprise or not. So, I mean, those are a couple off the top of my head. That's really good. That's such a good example because... And also I think speaks like the complexity of language. They're both enterprise, they're both the same title, but the way one company defines a term that's quite normative, enterprise sales, is totally different. I think of this exact example. So we have a company who, the title is enterprise sales representative, and the role is actually somebody who is a little mix of going out and finding new business, but also managing existing accounts. And then the other role, you have someone where they're doing the same thing. They're, the job description says communicate with clients and look into new opportunities, close business. But for that role, they're just wanting 100% all new business. And so that maybe isn't specified clearly as well. And so that could be a factor where depending on that candidate's background, even though they've worked in enterprise, that depending on what, what kind of sale that they've been used to, it could also be a potential qualifier, disqualifier. So there's, uh, yeah, there's a few things for sure that come to mind as I think through some examples. I love that because that's nuance, cause nuance that I think is really valuable because I see some people say, well, just make profile resumes. And not that I'm advocating for that crazy tailoring. It's more so what I want to make clear to folks is that companies' requirements are that specific. Whether they've done a good job of articulating or not, people internally know exactly what they want. And it's, quite specific often. I'm not going to say always, I'm not going to talk in sort of absolutes here, but I do think the better of a job you can do positioning yourself to the needs of the company, hopefully it's all in the JD, but it might not be, then that's pretty key. What are ways you suggest people can, if it's not in the JD, get a little bit more of that specificity so they can better position themselves? So if a company has a job, let's say it depends where you discover the job. So the first thing I would look at is, did you find the job on, on LinkedIn or did you see it on the company website? A lot of companies have uniformity across where the job ends up, either through scraping or the ATS pushes it out. So there should be consistency there, but sometimes there's not. And what you'll often see is that there's an old JD that might've been kept up on the website and on LinkedIn, hiring manager just went in there, his own LinkedIn account put up a job for, or his or her LinkedIn account, right? Put up a job and then they actually put in that detail and specificity of what they were looking for. So I'd look for disparity in some of the job descriptions. You may find certain postings have a little bit more. I've also been another big fan of this approach where in addition to applying to jobs online, coupling that with networking, having conversations with people at your target companies, I credit my breaking into tech 
with doing that and doing it successfully. And that's one way that I was able to find out what the actual hiring manager was looking for, but it also helped me make my case internally without having that exact background that they were looking for. And so finding folks on the teams that you're applying to, whether that is a hiring manager, maybe it's just a peer doing the job that you'd be interested in. And that's tough, tougher to do, especially if you don't have a connection to the company. But I try to make the attempt to reach out and get that intel because to your point, those nuances aren't always, maybe not always clear in the jobs, but it's something you could discover through networking and having those conversations. Super good advice. Well, Reno, we're at time. This was great. How can folks follow along with all the awesome content you put out there? I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So if anyone here hasn't encountered me before, please feel free to, to look me up. Give me a follow. I do try to post, I say almost every day, helpful content for job seekers, whether it's what to do on the resume or how to network, talk a lot about interview tips, interview prep. So feel free to follow along there and would love to connect with folks. Amazing. We will link to that in the show notes. Reno, this was awesome. Thank you so, so much. We'll have to do another one. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. We are here to help job seekers. The point of this show is to give you the behind the scenes look at the hiring practices of companies and to debunk a lot of the myths and fear mongering that's out there. So if you like the show, please subscribe. Would love for you to write me on LinkedIn or comment on one of my posts if you'd like to be a guest. We're really looking for practitioners that are in the hiring role, whether it be a hiring manager or a recruiter. We want to give people that inside view to what it looks like like to be hired and to understand the inside view of how companies operate. So please let me know. And if you're job searching, check out Teal, tealhq.com. We are here to help you land a job you love. All right, thanks. And we'll catch you on the next one.